All right, if you would, open your Bibles to the Gospel of John, John chapter 8. John chapter 8 is a perfect passage to start a candlelight service, if you haven't turned there. It's in the Gospel of John, and it's a text, verse 12, that we're going to see Jesus make a very famous statement. But what you need to know is that John chapter 8 is probably still part of John 7. Most scholars, when looking at John um, chapter 8, verses 1 to 11, think it was added in to um, maybe supplement a story that had come around a little bit later. But the sequence of events from chapter 7 through chapter 8, if you don't have the first part of the adulterous woman story in John chapter 8, really all flows together. And Jesus is at a festival in John chapter 7, that many think is the festival that is happening right now, the Jewish festival of Hanukkah. And it's a festival of lights. And it's in that context that Jesus says this famous statement, John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. It's one of his eight I am statements. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And he's using the metaphor that he and his teaching represent light to the world it's a metaphor that's used in the earlier part of the book it's used in other parts of scripture and so good for us to catch on with this whole christmas theme we understand today that the world has really commercialized christmas uses so much of christmas in an upside down way but i do like the fact that we make lights a part of our christmas celebration and obviously the world picks up with their own aspect of light. But it is a good tie-in when we think of what Jesus has come into the world to do, to bring light. And for us to understand the light, tonight what I wanted to do was to focus on understanding the darkness and to look at the darkness that's all around us. And in the end, I think you'll see how much we need the light of Jesus, how much we're going to appreciate the light of Jesus, how much we appreciate Jesus. Because as we know, Jesus brings light into darkness. And all the passages we're going to look at are going to show how light is brought into darkness. I think you'll find it fascinating when you go back later and you maybe even do more study on these passages yourself. In the Bible, evil is darkness. It's an interesting picture that the scriptures will repeatedly show. They'll pick up the fact that sin, evil... The work of Satan is dark, it's, it's black, it's evil. And when we look at that, we can understand that in darkness, a lot of bad things happen. If you um, probably could all get up tonight and give testimony, you can all probably give an account of sometime being in a dark room, not knowing where you're going, walking into, that, into a wall, walking into something and hitting something and getting hurt. Um, I remember when I was in an uh, uh, opportunity to take a, a, a tour of a cave, and they had us t- take our lights off, turn our lights off in the dark, deep recesses of the cave just for a moment. And it, like, it was freaky, right? It was so, so dark. Because you didn't know where you were. You didn't know where you were going. And, and, and you could almost feel the weight of that darkness. And I haven't heard the account yet. But did anybody hear about all those people that were trapped in southern Indiana, the caves, for about, um, yeah, you did, what was that, 37 hours or something like that? 
yeah, that was really bizarre this week. I thought it would have got more press. Um, so, you know, when you're in the dark, things go bump and you get hurt. And um, I was thinking tonight, you know, it, like I said earlier, I would ask every one of you, do you have a uh, story of running into something in the night? I'm sure you could give an account. And I thought to myself, you know, I have the perfect account, one that you might, might stick with you forever <coughs> if it happened to you like it happened to me. I might maybe I've shared this with you before, but when I was in college, I was in the dorms, and our dorm rooms had no windows, all right? We had no windows at all. Um, I lived at the football stadium at Ohio State, and we had these, like, barrack rooms, and they were very archaic, and so you didn't have light switches everywhere. You didn't even have plugs everywhere, and so I had a very small room. I had a single room, which was a privilege, and I had, my bed was over here, but my light was over here, and because the stadium was an old facility, there was a problem with roaches, and there were a problem with mice, and we were having a mice problem in the dorms, and I'll never forget this. This was my senior year, and we were really concerned about the mice in the, in the dorm, and I'm sleeping one night, and I'll never forget, it's pitch dark, because again, there's no windows, the lights are on the other side of the room, and all of a sudden, I felt something on my face. Did I ever tell you guys a story? You remember, okay, Grant remembers, all right. So, thanks, Grant, for remembering. So, it's pitch dark, and I've already been freaking out that there's mice in the dorm, and this thing is on my face, and it's pitch black, and I can't figure out what it is, and I don't want to move, and all of a sudden my heart starts beating, because you know when you don't know what something is, you get terrified, and so I'm going to make the decision, and I'm going to get up, and I'm going to try and get this thing off of me, and I'm going to turn the light on, and hopefully if it's a mouse, I'll be able to catch it, and so I'm laying down, and all of a sudden I throw, I, I, I jump myself out of bed, and as I'm taking one step, it hits me in the face, and it hits me, and I take another step, and it hits me in the face, and I take another step, and it hits me in the face, and I take another step, and it hits me in the face, and right now, my heart is absolutely coming out. I'm, at, I'm now, I'm sweating, I'm terrified, I'm screaming, and I run over here, and I get to the light, and I turn the light on, and lo and behold, you know what it is? It's my hand. I had fallen asleep in such a way that when my hand was laying on my face, I had no idea what it was because it was dead. And as I was walking across the room, it was pounding me <laughs> like this. And so the more I kept walking, the more I kept hitting myself. And when I got that light on and I'm screaming in the middle of the night and you look and you see it's your hand, you laugh. And it, stayed, it has stayed with me all my life. And it's just a good picture to me in the darkness things go bump and you don't know what they are and the darkness causes so much frustration i hate the darkness even with funny stories <laughs> so tonight what i want us to see is that jesus christ has come into a world that has a lot of darkness so if you'll turn in your bibles to john chapter 3 verse 19 john chapter 3 in the context of 
perhaps the greatest message in all of Scripture, John 3, 16, that we all love. We're going to see if you fill in the blank the darkness of sinful actions. Actions, things that people do. The first way we see the darknesses around us is that we live in a sinful world that brings darkness all around us. Today we're looking at those three passages, and the first one here is one in which shows us how God worked to bring about an end of dark actions. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 13 calls the path of sin. Proverbs 2, 13 calls the path of sin the ways of darkness. But the passage I want us to read is John 3, 19 through 21. And it says this, This is judgment that God that this is judgment that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil for everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed but he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifest as having been wrought in God and the Bible teaches us that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God and what makes the world so dark is sin And you look at it, and we understand, verse 19, this is judgment. Light has come into the world. Light's come into the world, and men love darkness rather than the light. Jesus Christ came into the world, but the men, and he came as light. And the judgment is the fact that we are going to die. We're all going to pay the penalty for our sins. And God is saying, I know who you are. I know what you are all about as human beings. And light has come into the world, but men love darkness. They didn't just like it. They love it more than the light, for their deeds were evil. And we look at the concept of sin. I've tried to share this with you before to understand theologically. When we talk about sin, sin impacts us four ways. It impacts the way we think, the way we speak, the way we act, and our sins of omission. And, you know, I was trying to picture how mankind has evil deeds, but it's the way we think, the way we, what we say, what we do, and what we don't do. I mean, there are all kinds of illustrations from children that don't obey their parents to people who murder and kill and do all kinds of wicked things. I started to make a list. I mean, you, you could tonight, you could say whether it is friend problems, betrayal problems, a sense of loneliness you feel, spouse problems, unloving marriage, societal problems, corrupt government, horrible neighbors, country problems, wars, despot problems, mass murder, slavery. All of this is all because of a world of sin, and sin brings dark actions. And the crazy part of this verse is, is that mankind love the darkness. They love it. And it... it, it it makes no sense and sometimes the only thing that makes helps me have a, a sense of understanding of this is a passage like first john chapter um three that talks about the fact that sin is lawlessness meaning it follows no rules it's not gonna follow any pattern it's never gonna make any sense and you know when we look at the fact that jesus christ who was light and a loving light comes into the world but men love it so much their darkness there's so much that they'll kill him it is just a reminder to us as a reminder to us that how bad sin is and i think tonight just as we look at the fact that darkness has touched all of our lives crime people saying something bad to us people doing bad things to us 
or us doing things to other people, then we recognize how much we need the light. You know, we can laugh at a story of being in a dark room and hitting, you know, having our hand hit us, but it's not laughable when you think about the fact that we say things, we do things to one another, and we hurt one another. And sin is just dark. And I'm just so thankful that we, as redeemed people, can continue to pull upon Jesus Christ and his light and try to restore our lives and restore our families, even though we're in a, <laughs> in a world of darkness. And I just pray that tonight as we hold up those candles that you're going to be thinking about the fact, maybe some sin that you've done, or maybe you're hurting tonight and someone's hurt you in the sense that you'll say, I'm just so thankful that there's light in this world. And we know, we know that Jesus Christ has come to destroy the darkness of sin and the damage it does. The second way that darkness comes into the world is I wanted to emphasize with knowledge and understanding. Fill in the blank with the word understanding. Turn to John 1, John chapter 1. The great beginning of the gospel of John begins with the famous statement, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, the word was God. And then you jump down to verse 4 and it says, in him was life and the life was the light of men. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So now you're bringing in um, the analogy that life is tied to this light, and the light, verse 5, shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. That word, that expression, comprehend it, is one of the most difficult lines you would think that would be so easy to translate. I bet you if we got different versions, everybody would find tonight, you'd be like, wow, New American Standard says one thing, says comprehend. Another one says receives. I like the understanding of the, the fact that it will not receive it in the sense of comprehension, in the sense of knowledge. They won't grasp it. And, and the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness wouldn't, doesn't get it. It doesn't understand it. And that's why I want to emphasize understanding and follow the context here. Verse 6, there came a man sent from God whose name was John. As John the disciple is writing this story, he wants at the beginning of this prologue into the Gospel of John to give us background as to how John the Baptist came on the scene to testify to Jesus. And so that's the John he's talking about. So verse 7, he says, he came as a witness to testify, not about Jesus, he could have said, but he says the light, the light that the darkness wouldn't receive, wouldn't comprehend. So now he says in verse 7, he came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, meaning John the Baptist wasn't the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. And I believe that's an expression, not that every man's saved, but that Jesus is available to all. And, and that through what Jesus reveals is an understanding. And that's why this is, to me, an emphasis more about comprehension than just even dealing with sin from the dark practice part perspective. Verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made through him. And here is the kicker, and the world did not know him. They didn't have any comprehension of him from a knowledge standpoint in the sense of having a relationship with him. And I think to myself, how sad, because we know again that the world, that the world lives in darkness and, and their knowledge and understanding of life is absolutely upside down. I, I was making a list, and I thought to myself, you know, you can look at every subject that we could possibly touch tonight. 
where the world's mindset is influencing it, whether it's our science, a scientist, and evolution, and then you can even talk about medicine, and you can talk about, you can talk about how our, our, our doctors' practices, our teachers, our politicians, how they want to approach problems, looking at the fact that their understanding of mankind is upside down. And sometimes we can even look at us when we don't take the scriptures and we think that we're going to solve a problem without coming to the word of God first and foremost. I think one of the greatest things that we have is the light of God to navigate us through because now we understand. I think people have problems and every one of us tonight can say, yeah, there's problems in my life. But like I always say, a good marriage, it isn't problem-free. A good marriage is, is one that solves problems biblically. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one, and the whole world lies in darkness. The Bible tells us that unbelievers are blinded by Satan as to who he is. And so we live today in a community that constantly makes wrong decisions because it's in the dark. And to me, it's... it's when I look at it, it's like that game. When I was a kid, sometimes you'd play it where you're blindfolded and then somebody says, you know, reach in a bag and tell us what you pulled out and then describe it, you know. And you, you ever play that game and you pull something out and you, you describe it and then you find out later you're totally off. And, and, and you know, maybe one in a hundred you'll get right. And I think sometimes that's the way the world operates. Um, like, like they say, a broken clock is right two times a, uh, during a 24-hour period. We live in a world that just doesn't understand God. They are not handling the packages of, of diamonds or something to look into a bag and figure out what it is, but they're handling their marriages. They're handling their parenting. They're handling their careers. They're making choices that are just wrong because they live in a world that's dark, a dark knowledge. And, and, and I think what we must always be so thankful about is the fact that we have God's word that, you know, as the Bible says, thy word is a light unto my um, feet, a lamp unto my path. I get it right? I always mess that up. Is, is it a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path? Does anybody know? Which one is it? Is, well, which one? <laughs> okay. So it is a light to us. And I hope that tonight you think a little bit about how God brings you information to make good choices. Well, lastly, look at John 8, 12. If darkness comes in sinful actions, darkness comes in knowledge, darkness also comes in the form of death. And it might have been easy to miss, but, you know, John is saying, as, as he records Jesus' words, Jesus is, I believe, giving one of the greatest speeches of his entire ministry because it goes from verse 12 all the way to the end of chapter 8. <clears throat> Let me just pick up verse 12. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Light that gives life. And the reality of it is, is he's trying to get people to understand that if you follow me, I will bring you to life and eternal life. And by the time he comes to the end of this chapter, um, as he's working through this concept, I mean, he'll give the great statement, um, if you continue my word, um, you are truly my disciples, you'll know the truth, and truth will make you free, verse 32. But just look at verse, um, where is it? Verse 52. 
just where Jesus is going in this speech, um, he says, if anyone, second half of verse 52, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Never taste death. Now think about this. Ecclesiastes 11 says, death is a place of darkness where the years of darkness far outnumber the years you live. And isn't that true? If you're 70 or 80 years on this earth and the Lord doesn't tarry, we don't have the resurrection, from a human perspective, you could be in the ground for hundreds and thousands, hundreds or thousands of years. So many people have already been, if we believe the earth is several thousand years old, in the grave, in the darkness for thousands of years. And no one has lived that long. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. And because of that, sin, all of us face the darkness of death and the penalty of a place called hell. And I find it always ironic that, that hell is a place that is pictured as a place of darkness. And, and I've heard this account numerous different angles, and it's often said by firemen that when they work in the midst of a fire, that the thing that amazes them so often is that in the midst of a fire, it's dark, okay? And I, I, even in hell, I think that's why there's darkness. Somehow those flames of hell take away the light. So for me on this night, as I look at John 8, 12, and Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. I'm, I've lived long enough to know that death is nothing, brings nothing but darkness. It brings something that you just don't want in this world. From my earliest age, I can remember being age six back in 1968, as if it happened yesterday. I was walking home on March 18th at three o'clock in the afternoon, and my neighbor called me across the street and said, you know, Michael, your mom's not home. And my mom was always home. There wasn't a time in the world my mom wasn't home. And she called me in and said, Michael, your mom's dealing with the fact that your grandfather died this afternoon, this morning. And that was 1968, March 18th. And, and I could still remember that very night, pounding the bed, crying. How could my grandfather be dead? How could he not be alive? And how that brought darkness into my world. And I'm sure every one of you could bring up testimony from your youth on, and it just never stops, does it? Because then we go into, I go into my teens, and then I start dealing with, you know, my other grandparents, and my other um, relatives begin to die. And then what hit me was, when I was a senior in high school, one of my friends, his father, who I played baseball with, unexpectedly had a heart attack. Very young man. And so the family goes off to Arizona to have a summer trip so that they could get away and just focus on the family because it happened right at the end of, of um, our junior year and it was going into our senior year. And so the family goes away and they're taking a um, rafting trip out in the, I think it was on the Colorado River. And um, the raft went, uh, um, flipped over and my friend watched his brother start to drown and he couldn't get to him and his brother drowned. And so now they, we had to deal with two deaths in this family. It was just heart-wrenching. And, and so it just builds. And you look at how you just like, I just wish this would stop. 
And then I go into the, so that's the 1970s. And then I go into the 1980s and my mother dies and that changed my life forever. I, you know, when a mom dies, um, I, you know, it just, a parent dies, it just changes your perspective. At least for me, it did radically. And I just look at how that made my life so dark and so empty to have somebody that was so special in my life gone. And so it just kept on going. The, you go into the 90s and then you start having friends die. I mean, that was the one that blew me away because now I'm in my late 20s and my early 30s and my friends who I went to school with are starting to die. And I can remember Becky and I went to my 20th high school reunion and I had this girl that I had a crush on. Becky knows. But we went to the, and I asked, I asked um, with everybody there, I said, well, where's Jennifer? And they said, Michael, what do you mean, where's Jennifer? Didn't you hear? Jennifer died in a plane crash two years ago. And I was like, you gotta be kidding. She was like a really good friend. And, and so death just keeps coming into our lives and interrupting it and bringing its darkness. And it's not until Jesus Christ finally returns that we're gonna finally have it vanquished. And isn't it interesting that 1 Corinthians 15 talks about death as an enemy. But we must remember tonight that Jesus Christ came to pay the penalty so that death could be defeated. And I think tonight, when you look at this, you must say to yourself, how we need the light of Jesus. We need his light. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And as Jesus will say by the end of this chapter, you believe if you believe in me, you'll never taste death. I mean, it will not be a permanent death because even if we were to physically die, we all now have the hope of the resurrection. The Bible says that unbelievers actually live out their lives as though they were blind tonight and living out a life in darkness. So my joke about, my joke about being, in, or the story about me in my dorm room is exactly how unbelievers live their life. And my appeal to anyone tonight is if you are living with darkness in the sinful actions impacting your life and the understanding of darkness impacting your life and death hanging over your life tonight come to the light of jesus christ and believe in him i don't care how long you've been attending this church we, if you've never given your life to jesus it's time to come to the light and for us who are believers tonight what i'd like us to do is to just be so thankful for the light. Look past the commercialization of Christmas and focus on what these candles are reminding us of, of the fact that Jesus Christ has come and he's come to destroy sinful actions that are dark. He's come to destroy an understanding of life so that now we understand the right way to go. And he's come to defeat the darkness of death. That, my, that, is something truly to be thankful for. Let's pray. Father, we need the light of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Father, that everyone here tonight, everyone here tonight is appreciative of the light that Jesus has brought. May all believe. And I pray, God, that everyone here is continually focusing on that light and working as hard as they can to stay away from sinful actions that are so dark and working to read the Bible, to know you, to understand life, for your word is light. And I thank you, God, that death 
even though it continues to come, is something that we can all say, the grave is no longer permanent. It, now we will one day see the light of life, even if we taste death because of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.